Welcome to the In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast, resources, and other ways to get connected, please visit inthelight.church. Can you believe that you can stare at a single object and as you stare at this thing, that it can dramatically shape you as you stare at it. You, would you, you believe that's how, how can I be shaped or changed or altered or transformed just by staring at something? But it's true. You can, we, we have the capacity, and it's in us, that we stare at things, and what we're staring at primarily is shaping us. So when we, you can just stare at a single object, say your computer screen, say your phone screen, and there are so many things that can pop up on that screen that inform you, that show images to you, that, that you have so much information that as it's being downloaded on that screen and it's being present before you and your eyes are staring at it and then you're reading it and digesting it. It begins to shape you. The information shapes you. The imagery shapes you. You're only looking at a single object, but that object is shaping you. So that just like it happens with computers, this is the same thing that happens with God, that we can stare and behold God. And as a result of just staring, just like a computer, because we might look like, how do I stare at God? How do I look at God? What does that look like? We're going to talk about that. But just in the same way that you look at a screen and all this information, all this imagery and all this stuff is downloaded on that, then downloaded into you, you become altered or changed and shaped as a result of it. There is something about God that is, of course, a lot more dynamic than a computer screen that in your beholding of him, there's something that you become, that you become what you behold, what you stare at, what you're transfixed by. So there's this been sort of this concern that I've been having because um, there are people that they are more name dropping than they're reflecting the nature of the one that they're dropping the name. That, that, that they're, you, you, you hear them talk, and, 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 and maybe just, you know, pay attention. You can hear them talk, and they will name drop God, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and they will name drop all those things. And it's fine, because, not to say though that's, that that's not the case, but the best way to determine whether they're name dropping or not, just putting a name in there, and whether it's really God, it's really his spirit, if it's really like Jesus, it's going to be reflected in the nature of what's being done, not just in a name that's being dropped. It says, so you tell a tree by what? Fruits. Not by, not by what it says it is, but by the fruits of what it is. And so it, it's, it's, again, my concern that in being in primarily like a, a, a place where a lot of people know about God, know about, that they can speak the language that seems spiritual, but then the nature and the approach to it doesn't speak of that. Like, that's not God. That's not like his nature. You know, for example, our God is an on-time God. 
then why are you always late? I just wanted to loosen things up a little bit here. But there's some truth to that. God is always on time, but you're always late. I believe his children that behold him should become like him and carry that same nature that he carries. How about uh, God is our ever-present help in time of need? How many would testify, he is my ever-present help? I mean, he come, he's on time. It might not be my time, but he's always on time and is exactly when he needs to. And then he's my ever-present help in time of need. So why are we ever-present harm to one another when we're in our times of need? What's our, what's the nature? Why? He's one way. How can we be a different way than him? The only way we're different than him and have to drop his name because we're not really reflecting his character is because we're not beholding him. We're not beholding him. To behold him is to become like him. Why we need to, uh, so his children, I believe the children of God should be people that because we, or the children of God should be some of the biggest thinkers and doers this planet has ever experienced. Think about it. As children of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the self-sustaining one, all those things that we could say are his attributes and who he is, we should be some of the biggest thinkers. Why? Because our daddy's God. Should we be like, man, this is, should, should anything be an impossibility when our daddy is God? If we're beholding him, and some of the beholding, let me help you a little bit. Some of the beholding him is beholding him. How do we do that? We behold him through spending time with him, spending time in his presence. We can do that in worship. We can do that through reading the word. We can do that with fellowshipping with uh, uh, believers that are beholding him as well, other children of God. So we're, we're beholding him. We're experiencing him through one another like we just did through prayer. We're experiencing it through worship and the presence, and I'm just beholding him. I'm, I'm singing to him, and I'm letting, uh, like, it, just his presence and, and my, my God-given imagination to reflect on his ways and who he is. You're beholding him. You're staring at him. I'm not talking about necessarily a physical thing as I was t- talking about the eyes of the spirit that have that advantage to be able to do that and just, just beholding him and, and doing that. So we should be the big thinkers because we're beholding him. We've seen what he's accomplished. We've seen what he's done. We've seen the messes that he's gotten his uh, other children out of. And so we see all those things like, man, I'm a big, I could think big and I can do big things because, again, I'm looking at his word and I'm seeing other ones of my spiritual siblings of the past and what they've accomplished in his name and how they weren't all perfect and so in that, I'm like, man, I can think big. I can do big. The children of God should be some of the big thinkers. If you're a small thinker, are you, I don't think you're beholding him. Small thinking. L- limited in what you do. Are you beholding him? Because how can you behold him and think small and do small things? You can amen at any point. This is an interactive church, even if it's just to kind of like, this is, this is good stuff. For us to provoke you to consider as children of God, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? To behold him is important because he holds. We behold because he holds. 
your future in his hands. What is your future made up of? It's made up of your potential. It's made up of the promises that are yours. It's made up of your purpose. Your purpose, your potential, and the promises. He holds your future in his hands. And so we behold him because he holds those things in his hands. And it says, the scripture says that he looks to and fro throughout all the earth. I believe it's in Chronicles somewhere. He says he's looking all around the world. He's just looking around. He's like, all right, who's looking at me? He's looking for somebody whose heart is fully committed to him. What did you say, babe, again? What was, the, what was that? We, we all, no matter what. He's looking for those fully committed, no matter what individuals. And he's scanning the planet, and he's looking all around. And he's like, I just adore my children. I just adore my children. He's just looking, and he's scanning. And all he's looking for is someone who's looking back at him. Somebody who hasn't got so distracted and looking at other things to behold that he's like, I, I, I so adore you. I'm just looking. All I need is eye contact. All I need is know that you're worshiping me, that you adore me. I so adore you. And once he locks eyes with you, once he sees you're transfixed with him, he says, here's, I'm holding something for you because you beheld me. Now I can show you what I'm holding. I'm trying to make it simple. I'm trying to make it simple. I hold your promises. I hold your future. I'm so eager to have you hold it. But can you behold me? It's, a, it's an adoration thing, y'all. He so adores you that he's looking for you. He's seeing where you're looking. And once he sees you adore him, oh, it's such a phenomenal exchange. And here's the, here's the trick, though, that as... He gives you something to hold that you don't make what he gives you and the promises that he blesses you with and the messes that he gets you out of, that you don't make those things the things that now all you're looking at are the promises and the things that he's given you. And all you see is that now. I got what I got and I got what I needed from him. It's easy to look for him when there's nothing in our hand. But once he starts giving you things like that job and that healthy marriage and your kids start listening to you and then you're doing better at school and then the relationships are becoming mended, it's easy to look at those things. Those are the things that he provides. He gives. He's generous. He's good. He's going to give good gifts to his children. But for us to now only look at that and stop beholding him, then things become heavy again. Then things become hard again. And it's, it's easy to hold those weighty things that he wants to give you when all you're doing is beholding him. Because as you're beholding him, you're becoming him. So you have a supernatural strength to hold everything he puts in your hand. Jesus was consistently telling people as they were asking him, they were like, like look, at, look at the stuff you've done. He, he tells them the secret. And it's recorded so that we know the secret now. The secret of his success, of how people are healed, of how people are delivered, of how people are hearing wisdom come from his mouth. He tells them the secret of success. He says, the only reason I do what I do, and, and actually I do what I do. I don't do what I do or what I want to do. I do what I see, what I behold, the Father doing, as I see him do it, I do it. And it's not like work. 
That's why they were tripping. The Pharisees were tripping during the Sabbath. You ain't supposed to work. He's like, this ain't work. It might be heavy for your humanity, but it's not heavy for my God. This is like, this is my purpose. This is my unleashing my potential. This is the promises that God has for his people. So this is not heavy for me. It's not work for me. And they're looking at it like, man, you're, you're like, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do these things. And, and they're looking at what he's doing as heavy. And he's like, this ain't heavy. I'm just doing what my father's doing. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is like, anybody like the word? Because I'm just quoting word here. You should say amen to something. Even if it's not my words, at least the word. He's like, it's easy. It's easy work. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's light because I'm partnering with him. I'm yoked up with him. It's, it, and what you think is a burden, it's not, it, this burden is actually light. I mean, it's, it's like on me to do it, but it's not heavy to do it. It's a burden almost speaks of responsibility. It's like, it's a, my, it's a burden, it's a responsibility I have but it's not a hard responsibility. So Jesus consistently is telling people the reason for his success is that I just do what I see the Father doing in John 5, 19. I just, I just doing what he's doing, just working that out. And the, and the reason why it was, those words were so important and why Jesus was so significant is because Jesus is showing us as humans how we should all be thinking and what we all should be doing. He just basically come to show the world what we carry if we behold him. So you remove the excuses of like, oh, man, I mean, but that's, it's, it's God. No, but he's man. He stripped himself of his divinity and he put on humanity. And then he just shows us this is what a fully surrendered, a, a, a child of God looks that they're fully beholding him. This is all it looks like. This is normal for a child of God. Because all the ones in the past and everyone who was uh, Moses and Abraham, they've given us a glimpse of some good stuff. But it says, but let me just give you the model. Let me give you not, not, not Solomon's wisdom. Let me give you something wiser than Solomon. Let me show you somebody who's greater than Moses. Let me show you what it's supposed to all look like. He says, while all those prophets were great of the past, he says, John the Baptist was the greatest out of all of them. He says, the least of these in the kingdom of God is going to be greater than all of those. Come on. Better than who? Better than Elijah? He's, he's like, we can name drop here. Better than Elijah. Elijah. Better than all the prophets, Haggai, Malachi, all those different guys, Isaiah and Daniel. He said, the least in the kingdom. After Jesus did what he did, everybody who's born into that kingdom are, the least of you are supposed to be greater than the best of what you acknowledge in the Old Testament. We should be the biggest thinkers and the biggest doers as a result of when you hear things. Like when you behold that, when you're looking at that, when Jesus says words like greater things will you do than I do. What? Is anybody here like, what do you mean? You fed 5,000. You walked on water. Next day that you have a pool day when it gets warm enough, have a go. But you said I'll do greater things. Here I go. Sink. Just keep trying because he said you will be able to do it. Maybe like Peter, you can get across. Or you won't sink in the middle of the pool. You'll get across the whole pool. I don't know. I kid, but don't kid. Greater things will you do. Where, where, do you, where, where would your imagination go? 
What would you begin to do and think if you really believed the word of God? And you were really looking at God and the one who says it. And when he says it, he says it with integrity. He actually says, let every man be a lie. Let God be true and every man a lie. He's like, God is true. He just can't help but speak truth. He just can't help it. It's just, it's just he, he can't lie. There's no darkness. There's no shadow in him. He just has to speak truth. And so even if the, you don't believe it, the fact that he said it still makes it true. In fact, I believe in, until when he says it, it becomes true. Just like he created the world. He said, let there be light. There was no light until he said it because he's like, I'm going to be true. Whatever I say is going to manifest. Is this too fast for you? So God came to show the world what we carry if we behold him. I want you to consider the qualities of God, the God qualities. God's qualities, part of those is that he does the right thing even at his own expense. That's God qualities. Even at his own expense, he will do the right thing. So he's, 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 he sacrificially does things for others. God qualities. So if you're saying I'm a child of God, but then you use the words I'm just doing me. Whew. I felt the daggers just being stared at me. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't flinch. I'm just doing me. That's actually the opposite of who God is. Because if God was just doing him, we'd be all be in trouble. But when you look at God and you see his patience and you see his graciousness, and you see his long-suffering. I mean, you've got, when you, when you look at that, and you behold that, you get shaped by that. It's not you just hearing that truth, but you actually seeing him in action. Seeing him, whether it's in your life or somebody else's life, or even his historic report that we can find in the scripture of how patient he was. When you look at that, it's like, God, at your own expense, you were kind to people and helpful to one another. We should carry that as well. We should carry that. If we're beholding him, that's some of the stuff we should be holding. He heals people. I know that might be heavy for some. How do I do that? I'm not a physician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not qualified. You behold the great physician. When you behold the great physician and you see how he's done it through ordinary fishermen and other people, then you start to look at that and you start thinking bigger and doing bigger than just thinking that's only for healing ministry. That's only for the qualified. That's only for people who went to school for that. That's only people who know a certain amount of verses and scriptures. No, it's just through beholding him. And he says, here, you can hold this. You can hold the ability to heal. Just getting your eyes on him will get you to venture out and do some of those things. God's a high achiever. He doesn't do anything half-baked. God is, uh, he doesn't think anything is impossible. God wants to help people as a whole, not just persons, but a people. God is a covenant keeper. He keeps his promises. We were just talking at the, um, I was in a group with at the um, movement day. And one of the pastors there said, we were talking with um, millennials. We were like, all right, we're going to ask you as a millennial these questions. And then it reversed it and it said, millennials now ask, you know, the Gen Xers or whoever's around you those questions. And one of the things that he said as a Gen Xer and said, like, in growing up in church that's different than millennials is that they're not loyal. Millennials are not loyal. Like, he's like, I remember the days that they have the church mother fights. They fight and they get the pastor out. They leave. <laughs> 
I mean, they would kick out the pastor, but they weren't going to leave their church. <laughs> Nowadays, they just leave. They just, it's called the silent exodus. They just quietly go because there's no loyalty. And then, look, Rosa gets up at that exact time. And... <laughs> That's my daughter-in-law. You're, just, you're so lucky. I know what you're about to do. Go do it. Do it quickly. <laughs> and bring Mia back, too. Um, so, so covenant keepers. God's a covenant keeper. He keeps his promises. Even when we don't do our part. Even when we're not the most faithful. Even when we ruin things and do things off. He's just, he just sticks to it. One of the be- most beautiful and profound, you know, uh, books in the Bible is Haggai. Is it Haggai? Yeah. Where he, I'm sorry, Hosea. Hosea. Hosea, where he is, is told to marry a prostitute. And it's, it's just that, that action that he's, to, uh, he's, he's taken is because God wants to illustrate what it looks like with his covenant with his people. It, it's almost like, it's like, Mary, like my, my relationship with my people as much, they, they're, they prostitute themselves. They're always looking and trying to behold something else and stare at something else, and they're married to the culture. They're married to these things, and they're giving away their hearts and their minds, and they're letting things transform them and distort them. And he, and, but then you see Hosea, and he, he tells Hosea, go back and, and get her. Go back and get her. How can my heart turn from you? Even in that prostitution mess that she finds herself in, it's like, this is how I am with Israel. This is how I am with my people. I don't just break covenant. I just don't move on. I don't let a little church boo-boo or a little church offense cause me to move on. I'll still stick it out in that place. I'll work it out with a remnant, but I'll still stay in that place. He is that kind of God. Is that kind of God? What kind of children are we? So we know he's like that even with us, but us as his children, are we always reflecting the nature of the one that we're supposed to be beholding? But I guarantee you, if you behold that and you're touched by that and you're impacted by his faithfulness, I'm telling you, you will be that for others. You will be long-suffering. You will be able to forgive. Why? Because that's who he is. He's a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. He's, not just, he's, a, he's just and righteous, but he's also merciful and good. And you have to behold the fullness of who he is. And when you see those things, I know it might be heavy in your humanity to do it, but you can carry it because it's on him. It's on him, and you behold it. it gets, he'll give you it to hold. He'll give you his ability to forgive. I believe forgiveness is supernatural, that you can't do it on your own. But I, if I'm beholding him, and I see how I can supernaturally forgive people from the most heinous of crimes and injustices that they've put me through, I can do it. I can do it. Just like he doesn't give me what I deserve. Sometimes we have to do that for others. We give them what they don't deserve. Why? Because I behold it in him. I see it in him. And he gives me it to hold and I can carry it out to others. Uh, numbers 13. How am I doing? Not good. Three minutes. And this is, all that stuff was just primer for what I wanted to share here. But we'll, we'll move through it. In Je- Numbers 13, 1. 
It says, the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. And, and jumping over to verse 23, to, it says, when they came to the valley of Ishkal, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Ishkol, which means cluster, because the clusters of grapes, the Israelites' men cut out there. Do you see how big the grapes were and the fruit was there? So huge that it took two men to carry something that was probably five times their size, triple their size. It goes on, and after they come back from the promised land, Moses sends out some spies to go to the promised land and say, hey, just look at the place, the land of promise. I'm taking them. You know, the whole time God is dealing with his Israelites, he's dealing with them to prepare them to possess the promise. He's like, just worship me, just worship me. Jesus, just worship me. Don't worry. He's like, if you worship me, God is saying, if you just worship me, you're going to come out of this wilderness and I'm preparing you for what's in the promise. Just behold me. If you behold me. And the whole time he's dealing with them, they get their eyes off of him. They get their eyes on Moses. They get their eyes on this. They get their eyes on each other. And they're all looking at all these other things. He's just like, then he has to do things. And then there's punishment. And, and he has to redirect their attention. And they redirect their, they repent. Repent says, I'm so sorry for looking at something else. I changed my mind. I'm looking back at you. And so they repent. And so this is a time that's so close to getting into this land of promise, the land of great potential, where the potential is actualized. They're getting a lot of its potential and, and, and promise, and their purposes will be seen for what he's created them to become. That's in that place. They go there. They're coming back with fruit, like triple, quadruple the size of who they are. They're bringing it back. And this is what happens when they come back from that place. In Numbers 13, it says, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they have taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan River. So here they are. They come back. Check out the fruit. There's a couple guys carrying the fruit back. I have an opinion on who I think those two people were that were carrying the fruit. Just two guys carrying the fruit back. While the rest of the spies, which would be 10 out of the 12, are saying, giving this report, like, it's impossible. The people there are massive. It's, it's, it's too much. It's, it's just, I know that's the land, but I, there's, there's no way with all that we just described that little old us can do anything and get into that place of promise. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. So there's a couple guys that are saying we can do this. And a couple guys, or the rest of the, the majority is saying, you're nuts. This ain't working. This ain't going to happen. 
But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Small thinking. Small thinking. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people who we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. They're just repeating themselves. Descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Small thinking. And that's what they thought too. Then it says, then the whole community began to weep out loud. Watch this. And they cried all night, and their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. Give me my old life back. Or even here in the wilderness, they complained. So close. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let us choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. They cried impeachment. I just want to throw out that word just because <laughs> mess with you a little bit. Always trying to impeach a leader. <laughs> Not much has changed. <laughs> as we can say. Anyway. I just want to show you these dynamics because this is so important. Big thinking. People who are beholding God, again, he gives them something to hold. He gives them a larger perspective. He gives them a, a, a greater wisdom. He, gives, he downloads better strategy. He, he helps them to see things differently than other people see based on what they're beholding. We see with these guys who were, were basically, they... they they found themselves comparing. And here's the difference. The beholders had a different mentality than the comparers. And, and, and we are in a trap when we begin to compare because now, now we get into places and we're looking at the wrong thing. We're not looking at God. We're looking at people. We're looking at the people and the places and we're looking at what, what people have. And we begin to compare ourselves. And when you begin to compare yourselves, then you're going to go into complaining. You begin to be a complaint bit, uh, bringer. Because it's like, this is, this, is, this is what I look like based off what they look like. And what I see them, when I behold them, when I look at them, I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing going for me. And this might be something as simple as what you do when you're on social media, why it's so dangerous and so many people are suffering from depression and, and some anxiety because they're always comparing themselves by other people. Instead of beholding him and giving, he gives you your security. He gives you identity and purpose and all that stuff. Now you're looking at people. And now you're like, oh, they're bigger than me. They have more platform than me. They have more power than me. They have more whatever than me. And then you begin to become a grasshopper and you begin to complain. You complain how God made you. You complain what God has given you. You complain what city you're in. You complain what neighborhood. You complain what family. You begin to complain it was better for me back when it was actually worse for you, but you still complain and believe it was better. You're comparing the wrong things and you're uh, complaining. And whenever you're a comparer, you can know you're a comparer because things get heavy. It gets heavy. See, how big you make others when you make people big is how small you are thinking God is. 
The bigger you make other people, the smaller you'll make God. Whatever it is, their platform, their status, their marriage, it's like you begin to complain. You, they, they're, they're, they're further along. They're, they're this, they're that. And then you start to shrink. And then you begin, God begins, you shrink who God can be and really is in your life because you're beholding the wrong thing. And things begin to get heavy. Yeah, 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 this, this is good. This is where I'm trying to, like, this is really what I was trying to get to, y'all. And if you thought you were quiet before, okay. So, <laughs> heavy. It becomes heavy. That's how you know you're a comparer, because things are heavy. Man, I got so much schoolwork. I got so much stuff. Everything is heavy. Man, these kids that I got, this marriage that I'm in, Heavy. Everything is heavy. Everything is, I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't do another thing in my life. Everything is heavy. I can't do ministry. I can't serve here. I got this, this, and that. I've got too many recreational things I'm trying to catch up. My, my, my money situation. Everything is heavy because you're comparing yourself, and then you're comparing, you're beginning to complain, and you're, uh, you're seeing other things, other people, and you're no longer seeing the one who's saying, I'm taking you into something. I'm about to take you into something. I'm about to bless you. I need you, to, I need you to look at me a little bit more because when you look at me, then you begin to see my promises, your potential. You begin to see my purposes for your life. Just keep your eyes on me because as soon as you put your eyes on them, you're going to pick up on the nature of what you look at. And believe it or not, the ones you're comparing yourself to and you're complaining that you're not, guess what they're filled with? Anxiety. Uh, things are heavy in their life. They might be heavy with depression. That's why they have to go into alcohol. That's why they have to medicate their pain. And all those things, you're comparing yourself to these other things that don't have the nature or the ability to give you anything that gives you eternal worth, eternal purpose, and get you to your promise. You say, everything is heavy. Don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. Everything is heavy. Deuteronomy 33, when, 1 through 8, we, we see it there. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to go because I'm already. So you see with Caleb and Joshua, they come back and saying, we can do this. Because instead of complainers, they're beholders. And beholders are able to carry five times their weight. I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. The things that would be heavy to a human, but to a beholder who's looking at them are not that heavy. They can carry fruit. Twice their size. They can carry things way heavy. So it's, it's not, it's like uh, 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 my, my family was over yesterday and they were saying, you know what, I just pray for you and I just, you know, they, they, they're, not, they're not, they're getting there. They're getting there in terms of their faith and stuff like that. They're great people. Uh, but we just want to have them over. There's older family members. They've been in the business world and they're pretty well off. And so they look at me and, and they're saying, man, I just pray because I know there's, you must have so much weight and responsibility on your shoulders and, and, and the church and different things that are happening. And, and it's like, man, I just, I just, but, but in the meantime, when they first come into our house, the first thing they say is like, you guys look like you're getting younger and you're well rested. <laughs> but before they leave, it's like, I know you're probably burdened and you got so much stuff that's happening. And <laughs> they got it right the first time. Yeah. We're actually rested. It's not heavy for us. All these things is not heavy because we're, not because in our 
we have the human ability to steward all these things by itself. It's just because we're beholding him. He teaches us. He gives us the wisdom. He shows us how to delegate. He does all those things. I, to behold him, things that would be twice or five times my size are not heavy because I'm beholding him. See, I'm able to have a big inner world because I'm looking at his world and I'm all in his world and it gives me a big inner world so I can go into this world and it shrinks in size so I'm able to possess the land that he's given me. And the land doesn't seem bigger because I'm, I'm talking to the one who's made heaven and earth. The heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. When you behold stuff like that, is there anything too big for God? And you start thinking about his nature and I'm one of his children. And so I got to take that a little bit personal. I got to get to know him a little bit more. He, as I behold him, he gives me more to hold. And the things he gives me to hold are not heavy because I'm still looking at him. You're able to carry three times your, or five times your responsibilities. I love it. I love it when, when uh, okay, no, I don't love it. I'm saying that sarcastically. But it's interesting to me because when, when we were growing up in the church, I was just looking for things to, to do. I still had a job. We had a young family that we were raising. We had all those things. We could have easily, I could have been transfixed and I got to raise my family. I got to make sure all those things, especially growing up in a pastor's home and seeing what I saw, I could have been really transfixed of not getting my family jacked up the way I saw certain things happen in our upbringing, even though it was a Christian household. Was that too fast? I feel sometimes I need subtitles. Just, 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 just I feel so bad for the translators right now. I should slow down. Sorry. So, um, so, Growing up, I could have easily been transfixed in my job, in my career, in my family, and just had this token faith where I just go to church and come back, all, all those things. But I beheld something about God that made me dream of something more. I saw what was in his hand for me, and then what was his nature and who, like, what he was about. And I couldn't help but dream bigger and more and want Everything in my potential that I felt like I saw on his countenance or I experienced in his presence, I wanted that on my life. So as I beheld him, I didn't hide behind those things. And I said, you know what? Life is heavy. Things are heavy. He would just tell me, show me how to balance things, how to have rhythm, when to say yes to things and when to say no to things, that I don't overcommit to things and I let my yes be yes. And I don't have to people please with my yes. You know, we try to people please and try. No, I don't have to people please because I'm, I'm so pleased. by I'm so in, there's a, there's a pleasure I have in God's sight that I don't have to other, other people approve of me to feel better in my security and who I am. I'm secure in him. But I do honor my lead. I do all that stuff. And so, ba man, based on that, then the, triple the responsibility. Man, I had like two jobs, two ministry jobs. I had a, a family, marriage, all these different things. So that, that's just where I grew up around. That's that's. That was just us. It's like you, you're, you're holding things that triple the size and being fruitful in each of those things you're doing. And this is no, no good job, Pastor Jamie. No, 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 no. 
It's the one I was beholding. It's the one I was staying connected to that gave me a larger capacity because his capacity is unlimited. As I'm looking at him, he's giving me the understanding of how to steward each with wisdom so none feels neglected, that I don't lose my family for the sake of the ministry, but all of them come together. And, and even when my kids were struggling, I didn't get to that place where I was like, okay, now I'm going to just do family and get away from the ministry because it was coming heavy at the home. No, we just say, you know what? God's going to teach me how to do it. I'm going to still look at him and I'm a, hopefully my children are going to see me looking at him and choose to put their gaze on him as well because there's only way we get through this and get into the promised land for entire family is if we're beholding him together we behold him triple our weight of responsibility triple my ability triple the money triple the territory this is the type of stuff that happens when you behold him why because he holds it we can complain and things can get heavy or you can behold him and watch how he holds his future, your future, in his hands. Is that picture up? I thought that was really cool. You know there's this thing called AR. AR. Anybody use that? Where you put your phones up and you look around, you, you, around the room and then you can superimpose something else in that room that's, that's you know, whatever it is. So Spider-Man visited me in my office today. <laughs> and so, isn't that cool? Like... I'm sitting here posing while my wife is taking the picture. So she sees it because of what she's looking through. She sees Spider-Man there because she's looking through a certain screen. I don't see it. I'm just there posing. It's there to her, but to me, it's not there. Because of what she was looking at, she can see things in this world that I couldn't see. You, you follow that? Things that were invisible to me are, are visible to her because of what she was looking through. I'm telling you, that's how it works. It's an AR experience. When you behold him and you're looking at life through the screen of his gospel, the screen of his presence, when you're looking at the, you will see things there that nobody else will see. And you will begin to dream bigger and see things bigger and see opportunities where other people see giants. You will see the promises where other people say, we're just grasshoppers. You will see what you need to see because of the one you behold. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Subscribe to our podcast and social media outlets to be kept up to date with everything going on at In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia.